My name is Kaylee Golden, and this is the Radio Silence podcast. On this podcast, I'll be sharing the stories of minority groups within the UK radio industry and asking ourselves, how can we do better? So throughout season two, we're going to be focusing on the experiences of women in the industry. So we've recently partnered with Women in Control to conduct original research that looks into the experiences of women in the UK radio industry. So I'll be sharing more about the study as the season goes on, but you can check out the whole report on our website, radiosilenceproductions.com. The link to that is also in the description as well. So my statistic for you this week is that 27% of women feel like they were hired to fulfill a diversity quota. Now, I know that might seem like a low number, but regardless, it still affects the industry environment and generally how women feel like they are valued or represented when working in radio. This week, I spoke to the amazing Olivia Jones. So Olivia has been presenting for years with the Hits Radio UK, and she currently presents The Breakfast Show on Rock FM. Olivia is such an open book. I love it. She does not shy away from sharing her opinions or beliefs in any part of her life, which is incredible. So we spoke about being a token hire as a woman and also what it's like when you're working as what she calls the other mother. Love that. And how being a gay woman has given her a pass into the boys club environment in radio. So you mentioned that you got into radio through the student radio route. So did any other woman inspire you at that point to get into the industry? Do you know what? It was a combination of people. Certainly, I was listening to Radio 1 a lot when I was doing my GCSEs. And Scott Mills just seemed to be having the most fun on his show. I think he was doing Drive Time at that time. And I dipped in and out of Chris Moyles. I've always been a fan of Moyles, but... Certainly, it was through those long hours of revision. So Scott Mills, Fern Cotton, who was who held down that live lounge gig so well. And then probably, I think Sarah Cox must have covered Fern during her maternity leave. And I heard she used to do this thing. <laughs> I think it was called Dodgy Balls, right? <laughs> and <laughs> I've told her about this since because we like bumped into each other at a student event. And I was like oh, I remember you doing dodgy balls on the radio. And basically it was um, her dressed head to toe in a Velcro suit and someone would throw these like balls that would stick at you and she'd just get someone on the, uh, a listener on the phone just to go, balls, 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 balls for 30 seconds non-stop, which is great. And then at the end of that 30 seconds, how many balls were left on her? So the Velcro suit was like how, how high the quality of the song would be that they're allowed to have on the radio. It was so stupid, so ridiculous, but I, I loved it and I fell in love with it. And, it, you know, stuff like that sticks with you. So, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you go back, like when I said it to Sarah, she was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about that. So it was such a small thing for her. But like being a 15-year-old at home, listening to that whilst I was trying to revise GCSE German or whatever it is, you know, it does stick with you and it's and it's great. And that, yeah, you go, it goes to show what makes great radio. So there's a few strong women in there for sure. I think it's really important to mention the way that we actually met and it was just by you reaching out and offering that helping hand and being so supportive. Like, I really appreciated it and I wonder how valuable you think it is to support other women within the industry. 
Do you know what? It's funny because I feel like you're giving me way too much credit. Like I don't know what I've I don't know what I've done other than said your men keep going. But that's we, enough. That I enough. know, I know. But we all need to do that for each other sometimes. And do you know what? Having been on the other side of probably quite poor mental health when I was first starting out, I think you know radio is difficult and it puts all your insecurities on show. And being on the other side. You only tear people down because you're in a bad place yourself or you feel vulnerable yourself or you think, oh, why have they got that gig over me or whatever? I see it from the other side and I go, do you know what? I cannot blame anyone that is in that position because I've been there. I did a lot of self-development. I went to see a life coach. I went to see a psychologist. I did some real hard work on myself. And uh, I took a few knockbacks and that was really good because it made me resilient. And now I'm on the, the other side it's so easy for me to go, yeah, fair play, smash it, mate. Like, go for it. Absolutely. You know, there are opportunities that you've, that you've had that I'm like, wow, I wish I'd had that, but I'm happy for you. I'm, why wouldn't I be happy for you? Living your best life, as you have to say all the time, like living your best life. Why wouldn't, that makes me, that gives me energy. And I'm, <laughs> not to sound like an old biddy because I'm 29. I'm not, I'm not old, but at the same time, I'm like, I have my chance. I have my chance at being best new presenter or up and coming talent. I'm old, I'm past that point now. So why wouldn't I celebrate the people that are coming through? But it's so true that radio can be a tough industry. We all know that. And it's very easy to be hard on yourself. So I think what you just said about self-improvement is so important to stay in resilient. For sure. And, you know, again, I say it with the privilege that I need to acknowledge, you know, I came from a really steady home, solid background. You know, I I haven't had the, you know, the fact that I could move back in with my parents and that wasn't, that wasn't an issue. That's a luxury, right? There's not many people that have that in their life. And I have to acknowledge that. And I think it was Michelle Obama who did a speech that was talking about the kids that come from disadvantaged backgrounds are the ones that end up ruling the game because they know what it's like to get knocked down and get back up again and they can deal with the rejection and they power through. And I certainly feel like because I was privileged in so many ways, I had to learn that lesson later and it meant that I had to take responsibility for learning that lesson. And that was just my my situation and there'll be other people that learn it at different points in their lives. But certainly... I'm really proud of myself for sort of recognizing that and going, I'm not in a good place. I don't want to keep doing this if it makes me feel like this. So let's go and do the work. I really appreciate you picking up on that because I've had many people in my career say things like, why are you getting this job? Why are you getting this opportunity? But all I've done is work hard and done my very best. And in my experience, it's the people that have had a privileged upbringing who say this, who are struggling with the whole concept of working for what you earn. But speaking of barriers, although you acknowledge your privilege, have you experienced any barriers as a woman in the industry? I don't think it's ever overt. And I would argue that I have the gig that I currently have because I'm a woman. And I think that's because there's the archetypal breakfast setup of man and woman so that they probably have a different perspective. And whilst you might roll your eyes at that and go, right, we've been there. You know, you look at somewhere like Capital Extra's breakfast show and you go, that's how you do it. It's not about necessarily putting in two people that have got really distinct, obvious social differences to them. You just go, what are the personalities and how do they mix? And forget gender or forget whatever. 
I am aware that, that I've got certain gigs because I'm a woman. And I also think that there is an element of, you know, um, is it the Oscars? Oh, there's so many, there's so many things where they've got categories where they divide genders. The Brits just happened, right? And they go, oh, here's the best male single and here's the best female single. And it's like, why? Why are we dividing them? Why are they not? Why is it not just the best single? Like, like it's two different genres to be a male singer and a female singer. And maybe it is, and maybe I don't know enough about music, but from the outside, there's a lot of that in radio where it's like, Olivia, you're a really good female DJ. I'm like, hey, I know, well, well, well. I'm a great DJ. Like, <laughs> like let's, just, let's just clarify. My gender has nothing to do with that. And don't put me into the subcategory. Just accept that I'm a great presenter. I really struggle with the idea of token hiring because half of me thinks I'm going to use this as my privilege. Finally, I've got one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, I think it creates a competitive environment between minorities that are trying to break into the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. I agree. But when, I mean, I, I go back and forth and, I'm, and I change my mind all the time, but I sort of feel like... The research is pointing to more and more that the best decisions are made in the most diverse group possible, right? That's sort of where democracy itself came from. Everybody needs to be involved in the decision. And yet there are only 24 hours in the day. And if we're talking specifically about presenting, you've only got so many shows, right? So you cannot represent everyone, but you can certainly try. And so if you've got a microcosm environment of a breakfast show, well, let's try and represent some different views on this show. And you're right. You're absolutely right in that you, you shouldn't be in a position where you're pitting women against each other. And there is no right answer. But as we say, like the best decisions are made by a diverse team. So is it wrong for whoever's orchestrating putting a team together to go, do you know what? I need a young person. I need an old person. I need uh, someone who has got a working class background. I need a woman. You know, and if we if we start thinking like that and we go, well, that's, you know, that's going to create a really interesting mix of decision making. Brill, <laughs> when it comes to you're talking about a breakfast show that's that's broadcasting across, you know, an eighth of the population or something like that. Do you need to be that selective? Well, probably not. And you're right in that it shouldn't be a tick box exercise. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's different environments, different causes. I think there is always going to be a desire to have that breakfast sort of I've got this opinion. No, I've got this opinion. What do you think? Text in now. It's going to be be that. And whether you get that with two blokes, two women, or a man and a woman, you would just hope it was based on their personality, not on their gender, right? That's true. But in the role that you're in, like co-hosting alongside a male, I feel like there's a stereotype in radio that the woman's just there to laugh along at the jokes and to be more like an accessory of anything. What's your opinion on that? Have you experienced that? Uh, I don't think we're over it entirely. <laughs> I've been told by my co-host that I, I don't mess my words. And I think that's very true. And I think that the boss knew from day one that I didn't want to be considered a prop or a sidekick. And it's really difficult because every every show has its own context. So my co-host currently is this guy called Joel Ross, who's had an incredible career in radio and industry and TV and all that sort of stuff. And he's been knocking about for centuries. <laughs> he's going to listen to this and be livid that I said that. <laughs> but he's got my back and he's a great guy. And, you know, you and I did a, a panel for the Radio Academy the other night and he was texting me going, 
oh my God, you need to be on TV, get your show reel out, blah, blah, blah. And he's one of my biggest champions. So, you know, you have, you're working with someone like that. You go, okay, so whatever we end up doing on air, ultimately, at the heart of it, we know what this is. And we know what, I, what I'm here for. You know, Joel's got this amazing legacy in the Northwest. He knows this audience. They've been with him for so many years. And so he has to drive the show. I get that. I get that he's bringing that audience in. You know, they're sticking around because they like what we're doing together. But I can see it for what it is. If we, were, if we were launching a new show and he was new to the TSA and I was new to the TSA, well then, yeah, put us on equal footing. But you've got to take every show with its own context. And I think that knowing my current situation, Joel being a bit of an industry legend, <laughs> legend to some, anyway, I don't mind being his pal on air and supporting him that way. But I can run a desk. I have run a desk my, my entire career, eight years of it now. But I deliberately don't run a desk because I sort of want him to. I don't, <laughs> I, make, I make a point of it. I can do it, but I don't want him to have it easy. If it's his name that's first on the front door, then yeah, you do all the technical stuff and you, you have to worry about back timing and beds and stuff like that. I can do it. I've done it for eight years. You can worry about it and I'll just sit here and answer the WhatsApp messages and create that partnership with the listeners that way. I'm okay with it because I know I can do it. And you just have to, you know, people look at, looking from the outside might go, oh, oh, she wanted to be a solo and now she's the co-host. She's been demoted. I'm like, well, I know what I can do. So sit back and watch. It's so interesting that you brought up that his name is listed first on the show because in this case, it does make sense with his reputation. But with most shows, that does happen anyway. It's like a thing that the man's name will always be listed first. Language is super important and people who want to avoid discussions on feminism and misogyny and and all the rest of it sort of dismiss language. Why is it important to get pronouns right? Why is it important to whose name goes first? You're being petty now. But language has always been important because language is how we define stuff. And so I agree with you that there is that bias there. And I've seen women who have been through scenarios where they've been left off the name of the show for the man's name to be on there only, despite the fact that they are both on the show together. Yeah. And the radio industry is dragging its heels a little bit in terms of where the real world is. And I sort of think it's living in the past ever so slightly. And I think it's getting shown up by the brands and the digital offerings that have worked that out and have gone, oh, no, 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 this is where public opinion is now. And you're always going to cater for an audience that are still listening on FM in the car as they drop the kids off to school, which is great. And that's what we do now. And they're fabulous. But there is this future audience that are coming in that just aren't going to take it. And I think the industry's got (laughs) a ticking clock. There really is. And I think the problem is that there can be this mentality that radio is for older people because you can't maintain younger audiences. But if you really wanted to... You'd have to move with the times. Not being funny. You have to move with the younger generation's beliefs. Exactly. Yeah, totally. There was a bit of research that came out of uh, Australia the other day, which were talking about why people listen to the radio and how it's changed. So obviously with streaming becoming more available and more accessible, the reason that people listen to the radio now more than ever is for the presenter above the music, certainly never for the adverts. (laughs) Yeah, never. (laughs) Right. So bearing that in mind, 
that there are more people listening to the radio for personality than ever before. Podcasts, you know, that sort of stuff that is really thriving at the moment where people are finding shows where they are deliberately consuming content from presenters. That is a world of responsibility and power for radio stations because why listen to a, an unskippable playlist and 10 terrible adverts trying to buy your gold when you can hear someone that is absolutely hilarious and you put up with all the other stuff because they're the guys that wake you up in the morning and they get you through to work. You know, we have lovely messages like that all the time. We play the same music most days in a different order. They're there to hang out with us. They're not there to listen to a playlist they can't skip, in my humble opinion. And I think that we've seen that with podcasts because they've brought back the essence of people connecting with a personality and it's showing the reason that people still listen to the radio over streaming. But I want to talk to you a little bit about motherhood then because you've recently had a baby. I saw the pictures on Instagram. So, so cute. How are you actually finding balancing parenting with your career then? So I, again, am not, I'm not a traditional mother. My wife always describes me as the other mother. Because I am, I'm the breadwinner. So I'm, I'm going out and, and making sure the mortgage is paid and, and all that sort of stuff. And I work, you know, I get up at 4.30 and usually I'm leaving my office at some point like four o'clock in the afternoon because I'm doing work. So I'm working quite long days and I will take my baby boy and look after him. But I'm knackered. I am knackered and I'm, I'm going to the bed at the same time as him, which is a bit embarrassing. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I don't have it in the same, in the traditional way as many other females in radio where they have to take maternity leave. And, you know, in a way, weirdly, when I was released from my contract in July, i.e., <laughs> i.e., it was networked and I wasn't kept on, it was a month before my baby boy was born, which was obviously really daunting. But um, I was, I was looked after, which is fine. And then, I had some time off and then I started my new gig in January. So I, I sort of had maternity leave by accident, which was really helpful because we also bought a house that we moved into two weeks after he was born. And we had to wait two weeks because my wife caught COVID while she had the baby. Yes. So that was, that was a lot that went on at the same time. And I was conscious about not necessarily knowing where my next paycheck was coming from. So I was out pitching and I wrote an article for Stylist magazine by my wife's bedside as she slept with the baby next to her. So it was stressful, but I don't have a traditional role in the same way as like a, a mother that, that did the childbearing. That brings me onto some things that I wanted to talk to you about. Have you ever experienced any difficulties being a gay woman, in particular in the industry? Because I know from my perspective, I found it a little bit awkward when I go to like conferences, especially like as a student. I just see like bare girls flirting with men in positions of power or men that they thought could give them work experience. And I was literally thinking, okay, no, <laughs> this just is not going to work for me. Like, first of all, don't make me try flirt with a man. It's just not going to happen. I'll literally just be like, um, this is very awkward. I just couldn't do it. I really couldn't. But I was seeing other girls do that because they were straight and they had that ability to flirt with men. And I was just like, I'm really not going to do this. Have you ever had that same feeling that you feel like you should be flirting to get ahead, but you just couldn't do it? 
I'll be honest, no. And I think part of the problem is, is that I'm, I'm so direct and this is the feedback that I've, I've had my entire life. And people have told, told me to soften myself ever so slightly, which just, yeah, cause just because people always say there's a game to be played. And that's probably true when you're making moves in any industry, right? And you play the game and you butter people up and take them out for meals and you go, oh, thanks for the contract, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And because I... Because I'm just not very good at that sort of stuff, I've always been, <laughs> I've always been uh, told that I'm very direct and a bit intimidating, and uh, which makes me laugh because I'm like, well, I've got no malice behind my words, so if anything, I shouldn't be intimidating. Because if I if I have a problem, I, you will know about it, and I won't be rude. I will just be direct, and then we can get it sorted and we can move past it, and we'll have a much better and more honest working relationship. So. I don't, I've never seen it as like a, a downfall of mine, but some people obviously work in different ways. So in terms of operating in the industry, I, I feel like maybe there's some privilege to it in that I've been let into the boys club a little bit more than if I were a heterosexual woman. Sometimes I, I, I sort of double check myself and I go, hang on, am I, am I supporting the patriarchy here? <laughs> not to, not to like, I, I'm not going to be the downfall of it, am I? But at the same time, I'm like, ah, am I playing up to the boys' club a little bit too much? I do remember one time, I'm good mates with the guy who said this, but there was one time where the entire team went to a football match and I, as the only woman, wasn't invited. And I pulled one of the guys to one side and I said, look, you're a good guy. I just wanted to reiterate that if you all go out for a jolly... You just have to invite me. You know that I'm going to say no because I'm not interested, <laughs> but you just have to invite me because otherwise you're leaving out the woman on the team. And I know that you want to have a great career in radio and I just don't want that to be your reputation. And I don't want that to be your legacy in this building. And he was a friend of mine, so it felt appropriate to sort of be that direct with him. And then a few months later, we were talking, I was talking to another guy in that team that was like, Oh yeah, you you well, you were on your period all of last year. That's why you didn't want to hang out with us. And I went, You can never say that to me. You and I said it in front of someone else. It was in the room, another lad. And I said, You can never say that to me. You can say that I didn't want to be friends with you. You can say whatever you want, but you cannot say that I was on my period and that's why I didn't want to hang out with you. And he apologized. <laughs> and it was just a colloquialism that he'd sort of let slip in. I perhaps hadn't thought about who he was talking to. I feel like maybe because I've always been direct that I, have, I felt comfortable calling him out and another woman perhaps who hasn't been part of the boys club or doesn't feel comfortable talking to men like that, that she might not have handled it the same way that I did or that it could have escalated, you know, that the team might have turned on me at that point or something, but, you know, to cover his back rather than mine. But I'm lucky that in, not lucky, but in the confrontations that I've had, I've sort of, hitting the nail on the head and gone, don't do that again. Don't treat me like that again. So I've stood up for myself. I think that it's so wonderful that you had the confidence to stand up for yourself and call people out. Where does that confidence come from? Is it just from feeling like you're part of the boys club environment or is it something more? Uh, I think there's, there's a large part of my personality that drives it. I wouldn't say and necessarily know where it's come from. <laughs> my mum my always brings up a school report that she got once that says... Olivia's got a very strong sense of right and wrong. <laughs> I don't know whether it was like a, hmm, keep an eye on that, or whether it was a, this is great, that she's, she knows what she believes in, she knows what to tolerate and she knows what not to tolerate. 
So I think I've had that a long part of my life, but I, I certainly feel like, I don't know whether you'd agree with this, but because you don't care whether men fancy you or not, do you know what I mean? You don't have to play up to it. You don't have to flick your hair and bat your eyelashes. And actually, it's just one less thing to stress about. It literally is. <laughs> it's, and it's quite nice and it's quite freeing. And, and so you can be a bit more frank with people because you there's not that undercurrent of like your primal instincts at play because you just, oh, I'm not bothered whether you think I'm fit or not. I remember one guy as well said to me, Olivia, you're quite fit. And I was like, I don't care what you think whether you think I'm fit or not. Like, I, that is very useless information to me. Don't offer it again. I sort of, <laughs> sort of didn't need to hear it. So yeah, just, just not having that element of like concern, I guess, helps as well. But again, some people find it really brash and, and I know that's, that's not ideal in some circumstances. A huge thank you to Olivia Jones for being so open with me during that conversation and giving me a little bit more confidence to speak my mind and be direct. I'm getting there, guys. I will be there real soon. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, then make sure you subscribe to Radio Silence wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Radio Silence Pod. So feel free to get in touch and let us know what you think. You can also check out our newest research on our website at radiosilenceproductions.com. Radio Silence is presented by myself, Kaylee Golden, produced by Palama Kaufman, and edited by Ellen McLeod and Billy Hambidge, and is engineered and scored by Eric Freer. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more important stories to share. Thanks for listening. <laughs>